Welcome back to another episode of Like Dragon, Like Sun. My name is Jack Oway. And I'm Jay Oway. And this is a weekly D&D podcast run by a father-son duo. Although you'll have to forgive us if sometimes we're a little less than weekly, but uh, it's just been one of those times where, you know, there has been some disruptions to the schedule. But uh, thank you for joining us again, uh, or if it's your first time, uh, welcome. We are talking Dungeons and Dragons Mm -hmm. and... Our thing is we've got sort of two generations, me, the old stodgy guard, and Jack, the woke new guard, uh, debating, you know, hot takes and cool tips and interesting things that might uh, improve your D&D game. Mm. So uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, today, uh, my hot take coming to this, I was thinking, actually, first of all, you know, we heard the announcement, Stranger Things, the new big bad guy is going to be based on Vecna. And then, for those of who know us, you know, we're Critical Role fans, and at the end of Campaign 1, spoiler alert, and Critical Role, there was a, a paladin uh, who joined the campaign who stole the hand of Vecna, mm. and then that made me think, hey, you know, we, we've never talked about Oathbreaker Paladins, and sure. what a totally cool, edgy uh, class they would be, and how much fun would be to, like, make and play an Oathbreaker Paladin. Isn't that what something everybody would want to do? Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of rolled your eyes at me and were like, meh. Well, I think they're great. I, I Just like Hexblades, I think they fulfill a certain niche of wanting well, a fully armored was, my argument was necromancer like, or some sort of edgy swords guy. Are they and, are they more edgy than if uh, Hexblade Warlock? If you're looking for the edgiest of edgy, are not the Oathbreakers oh. like the way to go? Yeah, I mean, they do constrain you into a certain style of play, right? With the Hexblade, there is your your packed weapon and your increased crit range and all your Warlock spells, and you feel like you're full-on a caster and a thing going on, and you're like, okay, I'm I'm digging this, right? Um, But say you're missing out on the good old fun of raising people from the dead, and you kind of want that to be your whole gimmick, then I'd recommend having a look at Oathbreaker, because really that's what they do. Well, okay, so here's the thing that surprised me out of the gate when I mentioned that to you. I was still kind of uh, under the assumption or su- assuming that Oathbreaker was like a a regular legit like uh, oath type that you could take because a it's on D and D Beyond so like why wouldn't I? But you were saying that it actually has different origins that it was one of those things from the back of the Dungeon Master's Guide, an example of how to build sort of a new subclass. And then they just included that in the text and that it's even in its writing, it's kind of coded to sort of show it as a monster rather than as a player. Well, it's not an example of how to make a subclass. I don't think in the way that Eldrin was an example of how to make a, a sub race. Oathbreaker was were and like the, the death domain cleric were essentially evil um, subclasses for DMs to make NPCs. Right. Right. And that's why when you read some of the features, um, instead of saying you target one undead creature, you can see within 30 feet of you, just reading off of Control Undead from the Channel Divinity, third level feature of Oathbreaker, it says as an action, the paladin targets one creature he or she can see within 30 feet of him or her. Yeah. Um, so off the gate, you're no longer, it's not about the player anymore, it's about this paladin. Right. right? And that's, that's the wording that you sort of generally see for monster text as well. It would be mm-hmm. like, you know, the owlbear does X or the ogre yeah. does why and so you do this to the yeah. dm it's the monster separate right um of course dnd beyond and i think even in the text it has you know rules for playing these subclasses um which is perfectly fine um i think most people just see it as another subclass that they can choose from the arsenal which it technically is um and is written as so um but a couple things you'll note when reading the description of oathbreaker and if you ignore restrictions just like blade singer and battle rager you know Everyone talks about Bladesinger. No one talks about Battle Rager. Some episode, we're going to have to talk about the Battle Rager dwarf-only barbarian subclass because no one ever looks at it. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, Paladin build with a Mountain Dwarf with the plus two, plus two is not a bad sure, bad sure. move, actually. And now with Tasha, you can do anything you want to do. But the Oathbreaker... But see, you don't get to do plus two, plus two with things the way Mountain Dwarf lets you do it. 
Well, Mountdorf gives you plus two strength, plus two constitution with Tasha's. You can replace that with anything you want. So you can still keep the plus two. two. Anyway. You don't. It doesn't become plus two plus one. Rules is written. Yes, I believe so. Huh. Um, Paladin. The Oathbreaker Paladin is one who breaks his or her sacred oath to pursue some dark ambition or serve an evil power. Now, it's not just you broke your oath. It's you broke it to serve in a dark ambition. This, of course, assumes that previously you were serving a non-dark ambition um, or Which is a, interesting a because power, there, right? are, there are oaths that aren't so holy well, in there. Yeah, I mean, like, them, right? Oath of the Crown is like, well, you know, you're serving the king. You know, you break that, and then suddenly you're raising dead. Like, how did that happen? Well, because obviously your entire kingdom was wiped out, and so now you need to raise your fallen soldiers of, of your dead king. Ooh, that's dark. Now you to are avenge angry. your kingdom. That Whatever. I'm just making it. Or a whole bunch of revenants. But some of them Rah. like seem. Oh, this seems pretty good. Like devotion, redemption, um, watchers. You know. But then there's the the more edgy ones as well. Oath of vengeance and oath of conquest, which I think many people would perhaps even prefer over Oathbreaker. It's just the name that I think people go like, oh, I'm the Oathbreaker. You know, I break oaths. I, I'm evil. Um, or I'm edgy. I'm, I'm, I'm damaged, right? Um, in the description as well, it says a paladin must be evil in at least third level to become an Oathbreaker. Again, this is assuming you DM has made an NPC that has levels, but also then makes you think, oh, this is like a player thing, right? Can be, again, it's from the dmg right it's one of the two subclasses from the dmg that are the evil subclasses right um i don't know i i think that there's restriction on alignment is dumb um i don't i i think it needs a bit of a rewrite for that now i think that it's honestly a little bit of an, a misnomer because someone could have just made an oath with an evil power like if they break the oath with this what do they become right does it make any sense yeah uh, breaking an evil oath would make you a a good oath breaker would then make take, that take me back to oath of redemption like i don't understand what you know where are we where are we going here this yeah is and not it's someone who's broken it's, their oath. it's funny like because it it does remind me that we've come a long ways in the last few years of 5e from even where it started and previous you know versions of D D. you know where there's this really this general assumption that your paladin build is going to be a good character um you know there's there's a lot of ideas where we've kind of now subverted them and changed it around and really had a sort of a different look at at things and and even just to a point where we're we're even less focused on alignment even being a necessary part of the game mm. um it it really isn't necessary in so many ways and the paladins and the clerics and their alignments i don't know it just doesn't feel like those things matter so much anymore yeah i mean we still see it throughout the game in some places like some things need to be attuned by certain alignments and it's like okay what are we what's the yeah point it's of this? true but you know, it's like, kind of rare though like it's really you know, they show up in a few little tiny pockets but mm. those to me are the sort of things that it feels like could be easily revised out and as any dm knows playing this game that if you see something like that in it you can just change it so that it works for your party and your story so um yeah, what little remnants of that that are left in the game rules is written, uh, so definitely going away. Mm, yeah, I, I feel what you mean. I think as well something that like you sort of see here is like why isn't a, a, a warlock making a pact with a undying lord and, yeah, and did, a, a paladin what making did you an say oath to me the other day? with the a what's the difference between a paladin and a warlock? Well, I'm getting to that. Uh, like, what's the difference between someone who serves an evil power and one who makes a pact with an undead or evil being, right? Right. And I, I sort of, like, my thought was, like, if you even just like, look at the subclass names, warlocks are sort of all about who you take the oath for, right? Like, you know, is it a fiend? Is it a, you know, celestial? And paladins are about why, like, you know, what do you do in your oath, you know? Uh, what the oath is about, like a conquest or devotion or glory. You can even just see by the names. It's like the oath of doing this rather than the oath towards this kind of person. An oathbreaker is the one that isn't really, you know, very, very clear. Like what does an, like I, I've just broken my oath, right? There's no like warlock subclass that's like, you know, nothing, you know, <laughs> you broke the pact, pact breaker, you know, or whatever, right? Um, although I think it could be an interesting idea, but I, again, what, what does that mean? What do you do? You know, what defines your subclass features, right? Well, and it's actually, you know, as you're saying this, it, it makes sense in my mind when you have 
um, a character that's a warlock slash paladin because those two things are actually kind of entwined a little bit. the idea that i've made a pact with something about something um and then what happens if i do or do not fulfill said pact yeah that's really the story that's going on here it's interesting that ford in campaign two had that sort of split of character although the two things were i'm not sure that related in the end well, i think it did i mean hexblade the thing about hexblade is it's so like do whatever you want with it like it's literally just gives you a magical sword and Which, that's its whole game on, if you're right? a paladin isn't a magical sword great sure and, yeah okay here's another hot take on paladins while we're talking about swords and what paladins do with them you know what kind of annoys me a little bit though i mean paladins to me are just like they can smite and they can do some healing when they're like yeah they're full plate they got the great sword or something like that well the, the full plate even annoying like isn't a shield it like always like sword. why do you always have to have a clanky paladin exactly why why am i always in full plate why, why am i why because this... it's one of the few classes that gets heavy armor that's why I guess no one is given heavy armor out the gate besides the paladin or maybe there's like one but it's like rare like most like fightery you know classes you'll see you're given medium armor is their sort of their starting stuff i think cleric maybe gets it as well with like chainmail if you have the proficiency from your yeah. subclass um again subclass dependent uh whereas every paladin out the gate can take that not full plate but you know what i'm saying like that I'm sure it's like chainmail or something that it would be here. We can even look it up with the power divine, of the beyond. Divine smite though chain does mail. just you yeah, don't have an option though. You know some classes are like, do you oh, want yeah, this you know chainmail or chain shirt or studded leather? You know, and this one's like, nope, chainmail and a holy symbol. That's what you got. You know, um, it gives you any martial weapon and a shield or two martial weapons. Tells you straight up, you've got a javelin, five javelins. That's all you got. That's to do always your range. like that's always the, the other thing that you see at the table when the when the paladin shows up. I use my javelin. I'm gonna throw my javelin. You have a javelin. Why have a javelin? Um, or you can take another simple melee weapon. You can lean more into the priesty stuff or more into the that's like, uh, where are you stuff. Storing these javelins, but everyone's got a holy symbol as well. Do you have like a no. javelin quiver? I don't know. There's there's a lot of things we let people get away with. I'm not too worried about five javelins to be honest. Um, yeah, and again, let's l start looking, examining what your paladin can be. And not just a full-plated righteous, you know, knight of whoever, of the crown or of some dark evil lord because you broke your oath. Um, do you want to look, look at Paladin or do you want to look a little bit more in-depth at Oathbreaker? Well, I actually wanted to sort of have a little look at Oathbreaker. But sure. I'm happy to talk about, you know, um, mm -hmm. other ones. I just, I, I just think Oathbreaker is kind of an interesting um, little corner of Paladin that... I mean, clearly it's, it stands out even as you scan down the list of names because all the others are Oath of, Oath of, and then you've got this one that's Oath Breaker. And you think, oh, and this is like a mechanics if I've broken my oath. Yeah. You think, you think that, yeah, if you break your oath, these things start to happen to your paladin, which would actually be a really interesting mechanic for paladins to have because right now it kind of it's really up to DM and player and story and mm. whatever to say oh well if the paladin's gone you know off reservation he's like gone crazy he's uh doing whatever he's you know what's happening to him now and and there is actually no mechanics for that mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i mean this it, it's even states that this could be the mechanics right because in the write-up for oathbreaker it says you know if you're evil in third level um and you want to become an Oathbreaker, the Paladin replaces the um, features specific to their Sacred Oath with the Oathbreaker features. So it literally says in the description, you can become an Oathbreaker if you were something else beforehand, and then all your subclass stuff is replaced. Um, what it's replaced with is not necessarily just you broke the Oath, and now this is what you can do. It's you broke the Oath and made another one with an evil dude, so now you can do these things, which is control undead, where you target one undead within 30 feet of you um and if they fail a wisdom save you can just essentially control them they have to obey your commands for 24 hours um and provided their cr is equal to um or, or sorry is low it can't be equal to it has to be lower than your level and straight out of the gate i'm thinking well this is this is odd right like i mentioned earlier why are we, why am i suddenly in after breaking of doing, my, of doing undead now this is actually really cool though in some ways if i 
forget the name for a second, right? Like call this Oath of the Undead suddenly. And it's like, hey, this is actually not a bad idea if I'm, say I'm playing a Curse of Strahd campaign or a campaign that is like, you know, one, one shot or you know, even a one shot that's undead heavy. But yeah, like the, the, uh, the idea that I can control undead is that's kind of a cool channel divinity power, right? I, yeah. I mean, it's it doesn't, not terrible. It doesn't, you don't have to necessarily be evil to control undead. Hmm. True. And this is something that didn't really make sense if you're thinking about a DM NPC, right? Like there's usually if you'd, it, you'd show up with this NPC, maybe they're helping the party and the way I could see this going is that the DM, you know, turns on them, takes control of the big undead, and then together they fight off uh, as they're fighting the party and create more conflict. Um, immediately, this, this almost speaks more to like a player's role in, you know, mid-battle, turning the tide by weakening the enemy's forces by taking one of them as our own, you know? Um, I think it's, it's interesting um, with some of the new things in the past with like, there was like almost like this discussion I saw on someone playing like a reborn in their creature type being undead and then someone else playing an Oathbreaker and just like puppeting their puppeting them, which feels wrong to me. Yeah, it's wrong. Um, and and also like yeah, there's no CR limit on this. Like you sort of think of like how well there is. It's it it's again baked into the wisdom you, saving throw. You think? But. No, it's baked into if they're equal to or higher than your level, they're immune. Um, which oh, I undead who's challenge rating. Okay, I see. So, yeah, there is a the CR. Because that was scary for a second. Like I'm like, any undead like a lich? You'd be like, ha ha. <laughs> well, I gotcha. Creatures who are CR twenty or above are essentially immune, unless yeah. you're playing with epic rules per se. Yeah, um, but, if, but it, if it wasn't mm. for that line and the rule there, that'd be terrible. Like, you know, your third level paladin controlling, you know. Yeah, this is almost better than turn undead though, because turn undead, it's like this. I mean, they're nullified from combat, but they still, if, if you hit them or whatever, they're just gonna run away from you if they fail, um, or get a higher level, they just explode and they're removed. This gives you an ally now that's on your side. Um, which is, you know, in terms of he thinking about uh, action economy, very, very useful. Um, plus one to your side, plus, you know, minus one to their side. Like, suddenly, those numbers can really stack up, um, especially as you, at higher levels, start to gain things that you can raise undead of your own. Um, but, again, for a subclass that's all about controlling undead, it, just like Ranger, one could argue, it's very dependent on the kind of campaign you're in. You might be in a setting where, like, you know, you're in the Fey realm, and suddenly this ability feels very useless. Yeah. Um, that's why there's one other, but yeah. we'll get to that in a second. Um, I played a, f- uh, I played with a friend. That, that that can actually be true for clerics and their turn undead powers as well. Like, if you don't have any undead, there's a real like, oh well, I'm never going to use that. That's why I don't think it makes any sense. Like, if you think about things like wild shape, channel divinity. And then you start thinking about other things that like meta magic or invocations. It's a little confusing why some classes are so customizable and others are not at all. Like I think it has to do with legacy. I think it's because these things have been brought forward from previous editions where the they were much more set in stone of what they were. I, I don't think they were like I think the newer stuff has got more flexibility in it in just in terms of how it's been designed. Yeah, I mean many classes have no things that you can really choose yeah that continue to be like things you choose unless they're like general spell casting um which are again super versatile um but like fighters the only thing they're really choosing as they level up is you know do i stick with my greatsword cool yeah i do Ooh, a plus two greatsword you know is this better than my plus one yeah i think so um, and also their ASIs, which are like, let's boost up strength, let's boost up dexterity, let's boost up constitution. I, I love, I love that. Yeah, you know, that's it, right? But whereas, why can't there be more? Yeah, where, whereas like this channel divinity, why wouldn't it make sense for instead of just being control undead? Because we don't know what kind of oath you broke with whom mm-hmm. or what. Sure. You know, you can choose undead, fey, fiends. I don't know. Whatever. Well, again, this then starts to make us feel like warlock again. It's about breaking your oath to a certain ideal right and that's like should be reflected in like subclass maybe i don't know like the, again it's me coming down to oathbreaker sounding like a cool name and maybe being the coolest name of all of them but feeling a little bit like a misnomer to me right yeah um because maybe you broke an oath or maybe this is your oath to begin with right like i don't know um 
it, it definitely assumes a certain storyline, which is that you had an oath, you broke it, and then made a deal with a dark, undead being. Um, the other feature you get at third level is Dreadful Aspect, whereas in action, the paladin channels the darkest emotions, edgy, and focuses them into a burst of magical menace, uh, where each creature of the paladin's choice, so you can avoid your friends within 30 feet of you, has to make a wisdom save if they can see you, and if they Edge fail... Edgelords don't have friends. <laughs> they become frightened for one minute. Um, if a frightened you know, creature ends its turn more than 30 feet away, it can re-attempt the save at the end of its turn. Otherwise, once it fails, it's frightened of you for a whole minute, which means disadvantage on attack rolls while it can see you, yeah. and it can't willingly move closer towards you, which, again, frightened is very powerful against certain monsters, and there's not a lot of things that can do it, and there are a lot of things that are immune to it. So I think it's an interesting thing of note. Yeah, but it, it, it does say here, if a creature is frightened by this effect ends its turn more than 30 feet away from you, it can make another save, right? Yeah, I, I said that. Yeah. yeah, so that that does mean that things that, if you want as a DM to make it easier for the things to reset themselves, right, is you have them all back away from the, the Oathbreaker, uh, and that makes their life a lot easier to for. So, again, I don't know. Sometimes as a paladin, you don't want saves. things to be very far away from you. So I don't know why you'd want this. No, I guess but... so as a paladin, you'd be rushing in, but as a DM, I'm thinking about playing my... Uh, playing the creatures that have been affected by this smart so that they all sure. run away. Well, that's still useful. And then they I mean, maybe not for you back. if you've got only melee things. Now, now's the time to bring out your five javelins, right? Yeah, Drop I guess. this and then <laughs> I'm joking. Paladins are perhaps their wor their weakness, their biggest weakness is that they have nothing they can do at a range. You can't divine smite with a javelin? Of no, you cannot. It has to be melee weapon attack. Be kind of cool like if you throw it like a lightning bolt. Well, just get the javelin of lightning. I know, but if your smite could be... See, this is, again, where I'm saying, like, where customization of paladins doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're... You just got your spells, that's it. You know, the, the smite... The smite comes in, like, one flavor of smite, really. Like, it's... Yeah, you, you can pump a, a spell slot into it and juice it up. Um, but it's just a smite. Like, yeah. that's, that's, your, that's your big trick. And it gets, like, really boring because every paladin ever does the same thing mm. it's a little bit like it's true meh. i think it'd be interesting if you could change the damage type of your smite i know damage type is not a huge thing in 5e but it just like flavor wise thinking about sure. a paladin that wields flame versus one that you know focuses on radiant or maybe they do force or maybe you are a bit of an edgy oath breaker and you do necrotic right sure. i don't know it's something that gives your or you're just really good with javelins like this pure javelin build maybe uh, again, dex, I'd argue dex, dexadin. You can't go dex. It, javelins still have to be strength. Oh, is it strength? Well, fine, great, even better. Sure. Uh, are they really? <sighs> Nobody throws dex javelins. No, they're not finesse weapons. Huh. Interesting. That's why they always give them to paladins. Well, they give it to barbarians too. Do they give them to? Yeah. Huh. All of the, you know, big melee classes get javelins. Um, just as you know, designers being like, "Well, what do they do if they're super far away? Give them javelin that they See, can throw, I, I, and it only goes like twenty feet anyway." Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, in my mind, I, my advantage. mind, I'm always assuming that the difference, biggest difference between a spear and a javelin, is that a javelin's made out of metal, what? like the whole thing. What? I know, like it's because when I was a kid, track and field day, and they like get you out throwing the javelins. No, javelins are like and, for throwing. And yeah, yeah, we learned. We I learned how to like run and throw a javelin, and there's like a real technique to it and how you do it and where you like have to run up to the line and fleet the thing and get the right angle at it and see who can get it the farthest. And the javelins are made of metal, one big long like, I guess they were like aluminium or something back in the day. And I I don't know if like I don't what I they're mean, made of in D and D, metal, but I don't think it needs to be. I think they are. Javelins are metal. That's what makes that. them. That's what makes them a, a thing. Are you sure? I didn't imagine. That's why they're a strength I thing. Like magical ones metal. Javelin medieval. <laughs> and they probably didn't even exist. They probably No, they look they don't look metal thing. to me. So what's the difference between a javelin and a spear then? Difference between javelin and spear. Difference between javelin and spear. Javelins or throwing spears were shorter and lighter than spears designed for shock combat and had smaller heads. The distinction between javelin and spear was slow to develop, but by many classical times, the heavy spear was clearly distinguished from the javelin. So the javelin was just built for throwing. 
But yet in D&D, I can throw a spear with dex. No. You can't? You cannot. It's not finesse either. Can't, I can't throw a spear. No. Well, you can throw it, but it's not a thrown weapon. Right? I don't think the spear is a thrown weapon. That's the whole point. Otherwise, they'd be giving it to... Otherwise, what's the point of javelins? Well, I, I don't know. I'm all... Like, I'm suddenly... Uh, I've just been making a certain assumptions about spears and javelins this whole time because I don't care about either of them that right. much. I think spears are great. I mean, they always just seem to be such a, a lesser weapon. Um, spears are amazing. Like, so, they're versatile weapons. They so get javelins have got thrown. thrown property. Oh, no, spears do have the thrown property. Uh, I guess the thing is, javelins and spears... Okay, so their primary difference is that... They weigh a little less. doesn't have any impact. What's just the range on a spear? Wise. Spear is 2060, whereas javelin is 3120. 30, right? Yeah, yeah. So the long range is t- doubled, and the short range is a little bit greater. The difference, though, is that spears can be held with two hands to do 1d8. So right. there's your difference. So, but it does seem to me that, okay, apart from a little bit extra range, they both do 1d6 piercing, right? They both do. Well, that's the whole difference. Is spears can be held with two hands to do 1d8. Oh my god why wouldn't you have a spear instead of a javelin because you because the range is shorter but a, a paladin could throw a spear paladin could throw a spear it's but a, it's no, a simple weapon far. right both are simple weapons but it doesn't matter it, even if it was martial they could so why is it we always give the javelin i mean i know it's in the starting equipment but what why not spear because people think of spear as melee weapon and you don't want your paladin accidentally using their spear instead of their great sword? Well, people will be like, why do I have so many spears? Because so like javelins are assumed thrown weapons, right? Where like you see a javelin, you're like, oh, I see, this is my range option. It's right? my, and I've got ammunition, and I draw down on that ammunition as I'm throwing Well, them. it's like, you've got five, I see, I, I throw, where have you got five spears? You're like, why do I have so many spears? Wait, do you make people keep track of how many javelins they've got? I, do, I usually ask them if they want a javelin or if they want other stuff. And they usually take other stuff. Because some DMs no like let arrows javelins. be kind of like unlimited. But well, javelins to me sort of true. feel like if I you had an fair. unlimited bundle of javelins on your back, that that's would crazy. be problematic. Because well, each one is two pounds, right? That's Whereas crazy. Whereas each arrow is like barely a thing. It yeah. barely weighs anything, right? So, yeah. Like that's, it does seem to me mm. for the price difference and weight difference, like javelins like an oddball weapon yeah. to throw in for paladins it frankly. seems simply worse than just a short bow right but that the range is worse the damage is the same and but it's I'm, way I guess, more expensive i guess it just means that you're saying hey you can use this uh melee or range well it's a strength weapon right well and, yeah you have but, to but i can right? but i can i use a, a spear as a strength weapon you have to and a javelin's a strength weapon as well yes None of the neither none of them are finesse. So the only thrown weapon that is a simple weapon that you can use with dexterity is your dagger because it's a finesse weapon. Huh. Just because you're making a ranged attack doesn't suddenly make it dexterity unless you can normally. Uh, no, I I, I get that. that. So, but I, I always sort of figured there was a way to. So these are all no. strength character stuff. So again, I, I don't know why we can't do a kind of cool paladin build who's just got a a, a cool spear. Sure, why not? Um, well, are you talking about a javelin or a spear? A, a spear, spear. A spear, spear. Why could I could divine stri- smite with a spear, spear? Yeah, you I? can divine smite with a spear, but you can't throw it in divine smite. You have to. No, nope, I have to lunge it into them with two hands. One d eight plus smite damage. Sure. Again, why are we not just using a better martial weapon at this point? Just use a pike, for goodness sake. My my, my friend who played can a mixed oathbreaker slash vengeance um, used a pike. No, you can't throw a pike. And a, a pike requires two hands, but you can do it at 10 feet away. It's a heavy weapon technically, um, but it does 1d10 piercing plus all your spine stuff rather than a measly 1d8. Um, it's only an extra, on average, one point of damage. So Sure. and it, But up to 10 feet away now, which uh, is, reach is smiting fun. from 10 feet away. It's never a bad thing. Yeah, reach is great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would like to see a whip paladin as well a whip it in a dexterity whip it in um where you can whip people and still divine smite them from 10 feet away yeah when and i guess what we're kind of looking at here we keep sort of i think dancing around is this idea of the why can't divine smite have some different options to it sure 
Um, and they, there's no good answer to that. Well, Why does it always have to be the same? Because it's a, it's a very simple feature where it's just you hit something with a melee attack and you do more radiant damage, right? Like, there's nothing you can do to, like, change how much damage it is unless you target certain creatures or level up, right? Yeah. And use higher level spell slots. You can't change the damage type it deals. No. You can't. Uh, you can wait till you crit to dump it in or uh -huh. things like that. That's right. It's, it's a very powerful feature. And I think generally you can choose to add it after you've rolled you know, well the, the hit. Uh, um, except for the fact that people think they can do it with an arm strikes. And you can't do it with an arm strikes either. Huh. Another dumb, weird so I can't, is why I not? can't smote you with me fist. You cannot. Again, I don't... Could you do it with improvised weapons? Yes. I Maybe? Could, I don't know. Can I smote you with a bottle of... A uh, broken bottle in the bar? Technically, it's an, a melee weapon attack, right? With an improvised weapon? Yeah. I think that'd be an interesting path of, like, redemption, where they were, like, a drink, and, heavy and, drinker. And do ta ta tick tab and brawler feet. And Take the amulet of the drunkard, and you're like, yeah, I'm getting off it, and then you get into battle, and shatter glass bottles over people's heads, and I don't know, whatever, right? Not to stigmatize alcoholism but you get my point right you can like why can't we do more funny things with the idea of a smite right i don't know because it's a very powerful feature and it's a, a, a very significant amount of damage um you know i suppose for that's you know for the min maxers out there the smites the oh, it's smites, amazing great it's great. great stuff right like yeah the smite is really really good yeah is there any way you can combine smites and sneak attacks? Yes, that's the whole point of doing a rogue paladin. Is it and it's a thing? Yes, it is a thing. Yeah. And I bet the damage on that goes crazy. Great. It's insane. It's ridiculous. That's what Vax was in campaign one of Critical Role. Right. That was his whole thing. Is he was a paladin rogue who did ridiculous amounts of sneak attack and. And then um, when he crits, drops the smite in with it. Yeah. Well, you double all your sneak attack dice. You double all your smite dice. Um, the other thing people do with um, hexadens, um, you know, hexblade paladins, is they'll take the eldritch smite invocation, and which lets you do essentially the same thing that a paladin does, except it does force damage and it uses your packed slots. And so, in one hit, you could burn both five, fifth level spell slots for like a ludicrous, you know, twelve, you know, probably like ten d eight, you know, maybe eleven d eight, um, on a regular hit. And then on a critical, that would turn, be turned into, plus whatever your weapon is, uh, another 22d8 damage, a uh, mixture of force and radiant, which almost nothing resists, um, and just have your, like, just annihilate things. Um, I was very familiar with that um, in my previous campaign. And then, like, you get sun paladins that, like, get things like spirit shroud, which prevent healing and restrict certain movements, and you're suddenly like, oh my god, why am I letting this person at my table? Paladins, ah, they're so powerful. Um, but... There's a niche, and I think Oathbreak, they addressed this with me because they didn't like the very undeadiness of a lot of Oathbreaker stuff, and they wanted it to feel more like Vengeance, but they liked some features. Um, like, they, they wanted the, you know, Vow of Enmity, which gives you advantage uh, from, you know, Vengeance, and we ended up working together to create a mixture of Oathbreaker and Vengeance specifically for them, which I think is a very novel idea. Um, for just like making a mixed subclass that's somewhere in between yeah that is a homebrew that isn't entirely new but relies on the balance of other things I've, i have and often I think it was with an interesting that experiment. looked at other other classes as well rogue mostly um and thought oh, right i would love a little bit of that subclass and then at seventh level i'll take a little bit of that subclass and then yeah. again i think there is a a next level of of D, D that you trust players and you start to understand what the subclasses do and you start to think why am i limited by this why can't i yeah. mix and match a and little bit i agree i think and i think you know really good players and really good dms are already doing this out there i know i'm doing it in my games and in games i'm playing in other people where we are mixing and matching um Mm -hmm. you know in making more complex complex builds that have not and they're not even it's not even about some sort of damage optimization output it usually has to do with trying to pick and choose things that are meaningful for character change and development you can sort of see how the character has been growing and trying to adapt to an environment or change to sort of suit the adventure and needs that they're on and so as they're leveling up you'd say hey you know this this ranger feet is really kind of works perfect for what you know we've been trying to do the character have been trying to learn to do and then boom when we're leveling up i'm taking that instead of what i would normally be taking i think it's it's definitely requires a lot of trust with like a dm and a player yeah and a lot of understanding of the rules and being comfortable to push them a little bit sure. um 
because once you like set that off like you can do so many things um and it's really should be a case-by-case basis i don't again it's a game where we decide all the rules right so if we wanted to there's literally nothing stopping you yeah um which is the you know a part of the limitation sometimes my frustration with dnd beyond is that it makes you follow the rules as written yeah if you are trying to do digital character builds um using the character building options clearly they they've got to try they've tried to automate it which is wonderful don't get me wrong because it makes character creation fast and easy but yeah on a piece of paper if you're really good at at these sort of things and and being able to calculate your own you know bonuses to attack and things like that and you know how to fill out a sheet and add it all up Mm. um yeah you're actually way more flexible in terms of what you and the DM want to talk about putting down on that piece of paper mm-hmm. and when we're able to change it at a moment's notice, you, you know, you erase a pencil mark that said plus four and change it to plus five and ta-da, you know, yeah, something, you know, that you can't always just make those options change things change so easily. Um, but I am not bad mouthing D and D beyond. It does let you change a lot of stuff a lot pretty easily. And there's homebrew. There's rules for making new magic items and monsters and subclasses. Sure. And And you can do, those are okay. You know, those fit like 90% of what, maybe like 70% of what I want to do. But there's sometimes I want to make a new class or I want to rework how, rewrite how a class works, or I want to let someone multi subclass, or I want to do certain things that the game simply doesn't allow. I want to give them access to new spells. I want to give them, you know, free whatever things that reflect their background or their choices or some trade-offs or some things that make them feel like their character is closer to what they want them to be. And without making an entirely new subclass altogether or trying to, you know, cheekily you know flirt around the programming of D&D Beyond sometimes I'm just straight up limited in what I can do and that's just the nature of relying on a, a digital character create like creation that make like puts the you know puts the handicaps on so that you know new players don't fly off the rails um, and, 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 and to I, be I honest life that. is good like it's when you start playing D&D there's too much to choose from already mm-hmm. um new players and if you are a new player and you've come here looking for answers i i apologize for the fact we've really gone we've made a confusing episode yeah um, um that's okay though yeah like this this episode's become more and more of uh, of us, us going just, on yeah, about talking about kind of crazy ideas we might have for paladins or how we go there and i i love paladins if, I think if, they're good in the beginning it helps range. that you keep it simple and to be honest paladins are a really great mm-hmm. class for beginners to choose because they are pretty straightforward um, the channel divinities, the uh, divine strikes, a small group you, of spells, yeah, lay idea. hands. In fact, it makes you very versatile support very character. Powerful. You've got a lot of things. You get to get into every fight. You get to be at the front of it. You get to tank a bit because you probably got heavy armor. Yeah. It's hard to go um, wrong as a paladin. It really is hard to go wrong. you got a good uh, amount of hit points. Um, yeah, fun times. Yeah, Loads of good stuff going on. Loads of good stuff. You Again, you're going to be one of the best sources of healing early through late game um late game kind of tapering off because people start to get access to mass heal and things like that um but still very strong at the second level to be able to heal you know you know be able to just heal someone even one hit point as an action when they're low and draw on that 10 times or you heal people bigger bursts like 10 hit points at second level is no joke and then you're starting to get to you know fourth fifth level and you've got 25 30 you know, 35 hit points, and you're like, suddenly you're accumulating this big pool of potential healing. Um, really good early and mid-game. You think about things that prevent you from getting disease. You can cure other diseases and neutralize poisons. Suddenly that whole plot line of people being afflicted with disease is dead in the water because yeah. every long rest you can just cure your entire party of it. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I don't like that personally, and I removed it from my campaign. Fighting styles, you barely get anything to choose from. They try to add a bit more with Tasha's, which I appreciate. But again, really forces you into a couple of things. Defense, you are all about wearing big armor. Dueling, you have one weapon that you use in one hand, maybe another yeah, shield. Yeah, actually, right. Um, we don't often see great swords with paladins. It's possible. No, you do. Yeah, but it's also more likely you're going to see a long sword and a shield. Sure. Well, I, well, great weapon fighting is all about taking the long or the great sword. Yeah. You know, or the halberd or the whatever big tool weapon that you want to wield. And really, paladins are all about that as well. There's protection too. Sure. And I like, think these cooler, give you an, an, an archetype, right? An interesting looking paladin might even take uh, take dueling or two-handed weapon or other things so they, you know, yeah. There's a lot of little things you can do like that. That So you don't, you're not always the paladin with the shield and the, the long sword and the 
and the plate armor. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think one level of paladin makes your squishy, you know, caster, like charisma caster, way more you know doable, way more playable. Yeah, you get access to all armor and shields, all weapons, two. Oh, well, one really good saving throw. Charisma is a bit fringe. Um, access to, you know, okay amount of skills. Then just pick Bard and make up for it with some expertises and, you know, jack-of-all-trades down the line. And suddenly you are good at everything, right? You have the ability to heal. You have the ability to use everything you see. You have the ability to, you know, find creatures, heal people, like I said, you know, tank, deal immense damage with your divine smite and you have a, a pretty you know sizable arsenal of unique spells um and then you start multi-classing to sorcerer and you get even better at that sort of stuff and then i'm, <laughs> but just, again, I'm just saying if you right, keeping but, it simple even if you just choose one of these and play it all the way through you're not going to be disappointed no right? but at, except i think if you play oathbreaker as cool as that name might sound looking at it i really don't think it's it's as good as the well, others i mean okay. again it's like for what, as edgy as the name yeah. might be i think this one without multi-classing is kind of a little boring it is a little um, boring i mean really at third level what's your big thing once per day you can take control of an undead that you could see maybe that's not very powerful or you can make everyone near you afraid of you i like the afraid one a lot i think that's very cool yeah Dreadful the spells you good. get later and a little bit later on the, the aura of hate is really much more about making undead good around you, which, eh. Well, you're, you're pretty good as well. The way we I change that with my players, it works with everyone else, yeah. um, except that it starts to treat them like undead, um, which was kind of the trade-off there. So people who benefited from it would, would feel the corrupting darkness of their paladin friend, which I think they appreciated that. Um, supernatural resistance, again, is a great one, but these start to feel, again, more like monstery things, like resistances to non-magical weapons. Yeah, like, 15th level, I've become a little bit like a barbarian or something, which is like... All the time. But I guess um, I don't have to rage. It's just always happening, which is... Yeah. I and mean, that makes me a better tank, but that's 15th level. The other thing about Paladin is, like, even 7th level is, like, top... T like, most people end, start ending their games around 7th level, or, like, you get yeah. to the final arc around level 7. Um, for most people, they're only going to see, like, maybe the 5th level like like they're sorry the the spells you get at fifth level which is crown of madness and darkness um like most people maybe will get war of hate which again only helps you and can help enemies um for a little bump, bump to your damage uh and then if you really go high level no one's most people like 90 percent of players are never going to see supernatural resistance or dreadlord like a part of paladin that kind of bugs me is that they they put the coolest features at 20th level like they yeah the capstones are great but it's you know good luck know. to you on that yeah i i don't think anyone again 95 percent of players i will bet will never ever use their 20th level subclass feature um because no one places 20th level unless you're playing a one shot right mm. um Paladins do get some interesting spells, though. You were they about do. to, yeah. To, and the Oathbreaker gets particularly interesting ones. There are way better ones, though. I think if you want to play your edgy, edgy paladin, pick Vengeance. Just do Vengeance. You still get to um, choose, you know, fr like frighten people instead of everyone, though. Um, it's one person, sixty feet. They become frightened of you, or until they take damage. And while they're frightened, they can't run away from you. That's the beautiful thing about it. Um, yeah, that's what I was saying. Oathbreaker almost works to your disadvantage because everybody's running away to try and reset their... This one, they're frightened, and until they, you know, you know, um... Oh, didn't they, they, they don't get to repeat it. It's a whole one whole minute until they take damage where they can't move and they're frightened of you. They have disadvantage on all attacks. They can't move at all. Um, and even if they succeed, um, for the next minute or until they take the damage, their speed is halved. Like... In chase scenes, that is like, you know, come, you know, stay, hold. And either way, their speed is halved, which is immediately game-changing um, in terms of, like, whenever you're calculating, oh, if you're both dashing, you're, no one's making any gain, and unless you do, you know, athletics or constitution saves or whatever, right? Um, the other one, which you'll probably be using more, is Valve Enmity, um, which is a very short range, but a bonus action, um, free advantage on all attack rolls against anyone, um, for one minute, which is just amazing. Again, if we're, we're multi-classing rogue here, um, by fourth level, if you're one rogue, three paladin, you can, as a bonus action, give yourself free sneak attack against someone for the next minute, um, which is pretty, pretty, you know, not just pretty good, very good. Um, and it encourages you to get up close. We start to think about spells. Misty Step, 
great bonus action spell, Hunter's Mark, Bane, all these are great. Hold person, and then, again, amazing for preventing things from getting away from you. Right. Haste, amazing. Just Where if, um, if you compare that if to anyone the, gets haste, it's so good. To the Oathbreaker ones, you got Hellish Rebuke, which isn't terrible. It's In, okay. People such a hurt inflict you. Inflict wounds. Uh, why, why are we making spell attacks? Let me just hit it with my sword. And then dump the spell slot for smite. I can't spell. Um, exactly. Right. Uh, whereas, and then Crown of Madness, which is Not terrible. Great. That's yeah, like, terrible. It is, that spell is just way too hard to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not a good spell. Uh, darkness, uh, I mean, if you really want to do have that, dark why don't you just make a warlock? Make the I hexblade mean, with the you know devil. I just I don't just get why this why this one you needs would do darkness. that. It doesn't really help you that much. I mean, your party's probably going to be a little bit annoyed with you, honestly, if you play this subclass, yeah. especially as you start leveling up. Darkness doesn't um, really help you. Everything is running away from the party. You are making areas of darkness which obscure vision. Even if, like, some people think it's cool, you know, party members with devil sight, at least they're benefiting. No one's benefiting from your your, your yeah. darkness. I mean, unless um, you're taking hate, blind fighting, which is a possibility. Or of hate. In certain campaign settings, now fiends and undead are doing more damage to them right. um, while they're near you. Um if you're otherwise, high, if nothing you're high else helps. Level, if you make friends. ninth level, um, you get animate dead and bestow curse, which tie into your controlling undead and stuff like that. And bestow curse is fun, hmm. but I mean, again, that's sort of top end of what you might play in your campaign arc. So I don't know, man. Like Oathbreaker, as edgy and cool as I, you know, I thought it was in my mind, and especially. Now we've talked about things like javelins and spears as well. I'm, I'm a little bit like, yeah, like why don't we? If we're gonna make yeah. a cool paladin, there's definitely a better other ways yeah, to do there, this. If I'm gonna suggest two, maybe even three ways. Let's start with two though, and then one maybe third option. Two ways to make a really good edgy paladin in different ways. One is vengeance, right? We are not evil ourselves and raising an ad, undead army, but we are, you know, we are broken and we broke our original oath to goodness and now we just focus on revenge uh, and we are a dark knight um, and my purity is not impor- as important as delivering justice. Um, and so or just revenge. We still frighten people. Um, we still can, like, mark people for our vengeance, which, you know, you can't do as an oathbreaker. Um, lots of amazing, amazing spells, like, seriously hunter's mark is um always useful hold person your entire party will be thanking you rather than darkness mm-hmm. um for paralyzing this person and then there's your free crit setup for yep. your you know your smite, your smite. Doo, doo, um, doo, giving you can give friends haste with this paladin subclass you can give them resistance to all sorts of damage types with protection from energy you have banishments dimension doors which again bring friends with you hold monster at higher levels scrying all of these are great spells for your revengey edgy um don't let uh, you're not getting away from me um relentless avenger and even as you start leveling up um you are going to like you are going to move make waves at the table with your um edginess your revengeiness that your entire party can get behind and if you um, play this one straight all the way through to level 20 you literally become the avenging angel. I think it's a little bit cooler than Dreadlord. Personally, I mean, you oh, spread the Dreadlord is wings cool. from your back, flying speed to and, sixty feet, and you're like, I mean, wow! Talk about really, uh, really mm. peaking. You, you, you know, there's reasons to play Paladin without multiclassing, so that you can get these killer mm. capstone features. Wow! Um, some classes really don't get capstones. Paladins really do. Yeah. Again, no one's going to see this, but if you're thinking about emanating auras now you have a 30 foot aura of menace still got that edginess to it uh first time an enemy starts its turn there or the first time it enters it it's gonna make a wisdom save or be frightened for one minute until it takes any damage um attack rolls then against the frank creature have advantage and so you're helping out your entire party as well um this is amazing doesn't again doesn't force you to use some of your channel divinity lets you save that Uh, and instead once per long rest for a whole minute you nothing's gonna get away from you with your massive arsenal of spells to keep people in place to make sure they don't run away to bring them closer towards you to improve your speed with haste you're gonna have a a flying speed of 120 feet like ridiculous and for free with abjure uh enemies as long as they're in 60 feet of you you know succeed or failure you're reducing your speed for a whole minute until they take damage um which is just brutal um in terms of restricting movement increasing your own uh as well as if it tries to run away from you whenever you would opportunity attack you can move up to half your speed or in translation 60 feet flying uh, as part of that same reaction without provoking opportunity attacks yourself 
which, whew, again, Vengeance is very strong. I think perhaps even stronger than Oathbreaker in some ways. Um, the other option, if you want to play more of that um, full, like, nightly, you know, conquest, still a little maybe, like, questionable evil. Well, very um, questionable. I mean, not a necromancer. I think they suggest that conquests are, like, you know, yeah. tied to the lower planes, nine hells. I mean, you it call um, themselves hell knights at sometimes, like you know, like mm. that's hell knights are pretty good. That's edgy, that's edgier than Oathbreaker. Yeah, I mean, that's what some it says in the even the description yeah. for Oath of Conquest. Some are called hell knights. If you want to play a dark evil paladin, I wouldn't go Oathbreaker. I would go Oath of Conquest. Hell knights um, cover their armor with trophies taken from fallen enemies. Mm. A grim warning to anyone who dare oppose them. I love the tenants. Um, oh, yeah. The, the, the tenants are seared upon their upper arm. Which is kind of cute. Um, like, Douse the flame of hope. But done in, like, cool tattoos. Like, I, I wouldn't sure. just see it. Or maybe just branded in. I don't know. Or just, like, some, like, you know, some people have, like, really terrible, like, they get all, like, stretched out. Yeah. And, like, faded. Mis- and, and, and words just misspelled on it. Oh, God. I, that, I think that's a funny idea. Douse the flame of hope. Rule with an iron fist. It's all written. Strength above it's, all. It's all written in, um, um, like, bad infernal infernal but yeah it's but it's all misspelled like but oh. most people don't know because you know people get like chinese yeah tattoos yeah or something. and they're yeah. like and it's all like the wrong words and you're like uh i don't think that means what you think it means yeah that's hilarious a, a funny idea that's even funnier as well or like someone who like wants to be looking all edgy and they just don't really get it if anybody um, else in the party can read infernal they're like uh wouldn't it be funny being oath of conquest having infernal on you but not being able to, to speak to it speak infernal yeah i guess funny that's that's hilarious mm. that's yeah okay i think i've just got my next idea for a character <laughs> their spell is this great armor bagathis only warlocks and this subclass maybe a couple other subclasses get this great spell uh you're thinking of like it is a little cold damagey, but you can flavor it is just this you know plate that when people fight you it bites back um to do cold damage lashing out good source of temporary hit points command off the bat almost rivaling command undead um where you control undead where again it's not 24 hours but it doesn't have to be an undead it can be anyone you want kneel you know whatever do your edgy command thing i like it again hold person always useful spiritual weapon amazing bonus action spell perhaps even better than misty step where every turn you're hitting someone with your big smite and then hitting them again with your spiritual weapon farther away even yeah. um bestow curse you still want that cursey aspect fear as well which is great um dominate beast i don't know that one's a bit of a weak one um stone skin great spell um cloud kill and dominate person again some of these things are overlapping already with um some of the coolest parts of um oathbreaker in terms of what our channel divinity is, we get Conquering Presence, which is, again, an area of effect. Um, creatures of your choice become frightened of you for one minute. Literally the same thing as uh, as Oathbreaker. If you liked that AoE Frighten, you're still keeping that um, with Oath of um, Conquest. The other thing, instead of just controlling one undead for 24 hours, you can make an attack roll to gain a, and gain a plus 10 bonus. Plus 10 bonus. That's something pretty like if you want to like guarantee a a a hit to like dump your what if you what if you combine that then uh with sorry i can't think of the one that it's like minus five to hit but plus 10 to damage yeah Uh, great great weapon weapon master master. yeah right um so you're still plus five to hit and then plus 10 to damage it's like ooh yeah pretty good and it's it's not melee weapons like it's any attack rolls well so if you wanted to really you could do this with your javelins too yeah um here. Just your to, just to spear, say or your spear, which is also um, the only weapon you've got. Mm-hmm. The thing that I really like about Aurora, uh, oh, or sorry, Oath of Conquest, is their seventh up feature. Rather than what was our like letting fiends do more damage to our friends, and maybe we do more damage as well. Um, now, while like an, an, a menacing aura uh, emanates from us, um, that if a creature is frightened of you, which is sort of your main build, you get the fear spell yeah. at this point, and you've got the channel the need to make everyone near you frightened. While they're within 10 feet of you and they're frightened of you, its speed is zero, and it takes psychic damage if it starts its turn, equal to half your paladin level. The one annoying thing about this is that it essentially automatically breaks many of your things that say, you know, if it takes damage, you can repeat the save, or if it takes yeah, damage, yeah. it ends the frightened. But still, now we've got this whole build about setting up frightened so that we can automatically do, um, at higher levels, a sizable chunk of, pal- of, of psychic damage. At lower levels, it's not very much. Um, it's like, at this point, it'd be three, right? At 20th level, we're, we're talking about 10 points of psychic damage if it ends turn um, within 30 feet of you, which is pretty good. Again, prevents things from running away from you, which I really like. Uh, 
The one thing that's annoying, though, like, what's the point of its speed is reduced to zero if at the start of a turn it takes damage and the frightened effect ends? I don't get that. Whatever. I think it would be better if it ends its turn there. It's speed is zero, so it, you know, it can't run away on its turn, and at the end, boom, takes the kicker damage. I don't know. That's what I would ask for. But still, I like it more than the aura of hate, um, personally, which is just you get a little bit more damage, um, and your, your undead summons do as well. Um, at higher levels, if we start to look at that, um, you can punish people who dare to physically strike you. Um, and so anyone near you, if they hit you with an attack, automatically, no reaction required, takes psychic damage, plus armor of Agathis. Um, this would be extra cold damage as well. Suddenly, you get up close and personal, people try and hit you, and they're taking probably more damage than they, they dealt. Um, which is amazing. It, if like you play a character that doesn't even make attacks yeah. um, very often, maybe just like a spiritual weapon, um, and all the while people are just hitting you and, and just bah, you know exploding after they hit it, you. It, and after like listening to you like break these down for me, I'm I just don't know why why I ever thought Oathbreaker was some sort of really OP cool badass class. Well, it, it's okay. It's it's any kinda, paladin build is okay, right? Any I paladin guess, will do. But, but I like, wouldn't. These two I are, mean, if we were ranking these, this is not. A, it was not S tier. It's not even A probably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Oathbreaker's down my list now. Um, and and yeah, uh, I don't know. Even using maybe Oathbreaker build as part of making a cool necromancer build of some sort might make sense. Um, yeah. I, I, again, it's you don't get to summon undead until ninth level. Yeah, but you could you could go about doing that a different way. I mean, I don't know if it makes sense to ever do like a wizard paladin build. They don't. You'd really more want to do like a a warlock. Yeah, build. and you can do an undead warlock thing. As yeah, well, you can right? do an undead warlock for sure. Um, so yeah, probably a build that way. Get those sort of spells in there. Mm. Your spell slots are a bit wonky when you do warlock paladin, mm. though. But un unheard um, of um, necromancer build, and I'd argue this is perhaps one of the better necromancy builds. Peace domain cleric. Right. If you want to make a, a killer necromancer, because clerics get all the necromancy spells, right. aside a few, but many of the main important ones. Um, and with Peace Domain, you can make protective bonds between you and your, or like your allies and your um, right. zombies. And one of them is at sixth level. Uh, if your ally takes damage, you can cause the bonded creatures a reaction to, or the, the bonded creature can use reaction to teleport over, take the whole damage. So what you do, summon undead, make bonds with undead and your friends. Right. And so whenever your friends would take damage, zombie teleports the over, zombie gets, takes the whole hit, yeah, which meat, is the whole point of meat having shields. meat shields, right? Because zombies are kind of supposed to be meat, disposable meat shields um, in a way. Yeah, I mean, is, unless, you know, you are like, you chef's know, kiss. out there right now actively, you know, promoting that zombie lives matter, in which case, you know. Well, they were people once. Yeah. Um and, you know, to those people, I say, you know, good luck. It's just like familiars, uh, you know, you send them in to, to die. We we actually have a lot of stories, though, I mean, where, you know, we're trying to treat the undead more fairly uh, these days, but. Hmm. I think uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Interesting idea. So uh, thanks for tuning in and listening to us uh, ramble on a little bit about our, our hot take. Yeah, this one was a little bit more of a all over the place episode. I think it's okay, though. So we don't always need to stick to the script we can just we, explore yeah this was really look up the difference this, between a javelin and a spear exactly and but i love that idea that you know i never really thought until you said to me the difference between the paladin and the warlock is the paladin it's about the who oath. you make the oath for yeah and and the other one's who you make it to right it's like what the paladin's what the oath's about yeah and the warlock is who the oath is to yeah exactly and uh and i think that that actually the the a bit of the weakness of the paladin is that it removes your whoever you've made the oath to from the the story a little bit whereas the warlock's strength is that that patron becomes an active part of your well i think there is a a freedom to making it like the patron whoever you want to be right sure like again Oath of the open sea doesn't even need to be someone from the sea. Like given like some of the abilities, like swap yeah. out some of the spells, and suddenly you've got something very different. Well, I mean, right? I, I played in a campaign where we had an oath of crown, uh, oath of the crown paladin, which made sense because there was a we were all um, mm. loyal to the crown, and the king had been deposed, and we were trying to get the rightful heir back on the throne, and and that you know that was perfect storytelling. We we definitely knew who the the you know would be patron that that oath was made to in that but some of these is a little the oath thing's a little funny um 
who is it made to and why it's never really covered in the paladin uh, yeah we kind of cool if there was a bit more of that well but. i think i like the freedom is that you can kind of make it up um a little bit but you're right i, I think sometimes you don't need it it can be to yourself and that's yeah. one of my favorite things as well you don't need no patron you yeah. can just be like i want to be king that's why i took over the crown sure i'm gonna be king someday that's my goal be like you know Griffith yeah. from or let's say yeah i want to be i want to be the uh i want to i want to be a hell knight it's like saying i want to join the sure. hell's angels or something and yeah. so i'm i've got like the the cool infernal tattoos which are misspelled and you've got all these things you could be you could be a little bit of a a bit of a dumb paladin in that sense too you could be like you know try to be mr mm. cool but you're not you don't really have the brains to back it up like there's a, some interesting sure. fun builds in there i think but yeah 100 percent um uh, and that yeah your yeah. oath is really just to to those bad tattoos on your your sleeve mm. <laughs> all right folks we've gone over an hour talking about paladins i think sometimes people just see them as fully plated righteous knights um or the oath breaker um but i want to encourage the idea that it can be many other things you don't have to wear armor yeah, at I'm, all I'm, you don't need to i'm um, definitely going to build something that's like leather jacket fonzie hey. <laughs> i think that they're amazing healers lean into that side of it yeah. make a you know redemption when they're a, very charismatic too you know, sure make a glory that's all about just like they're they're straight up their muscles they don't need no armor multi-class sure. barbarian get that unarmored defense out the gate as well um i think you could have a lot of fun there anyways that aside make yourself a paladin yeah um, definitely we'll uh, we'll see you next week bye bye